Welcome to the Well and Witchy Podcast. I'm your host, Britt Epley, and I'm an eclectic witch, wellness and mindset coach, healer, and spiritual mentor. If you're looking to fearlessly rise up and be the woman you were destined to be and live your best life with both wellness and spiritual flows, then you are in the right place. Think of this podcast as your go-to for all things magic, inspiration, and empowerment. I'll be spilling the tea about witchcraft, spell work, spirituality, intuitive wellness, self-love, and much more. Leave it to me to help provide you with the tools and resources to unlock the inner goddess and power within you, hone your sacred craft, and live life in a more meaningful and magical way. I am so grateful that our paths have crossed today and you are here. Thank you so much for pushing play. Now let's do this, witches. Hello, hello, beautiful souls, and welcome back to the Well and Witchy podcast. I'm your host, Britt Epley, and today's expert guest is none other than Carly Morrison. Carly is based in Australia, and she is an intuitive tarot reader, Reiki grandmaster, as well as healer. Carly and I met on Instagram a while back, and she is just... Her energy is all-encompassing. She is so kind. She is powerful as a healer, and she has decades of experience with healing modalities. Like mentioned, she's a Reiki grandmaster, and she also does theta healing. Um, She's trained in the Melchizedek method, as well as serenity vibrational healing. So Carly knows what's up in terms of everything healing. And I... I'm excited for this episode just because she, we kind of break it down. So we talk about tarot, we talk about Reiki, we talk about healing, but Carly also shares with us today a little bit about her time in India as well as her spiritual practice. Carly also has an upcoming book, which is super exciting. For listening to this episode, Carly is excited to offer you a 20% off discount for either an online reading or absent Reiki session. Her sessions are bomb, so make sure you get in on one. Um, I get a lot of questions sometimes from people who um, have never done Reiki before. Like, do I have to be with the person? Do Like, what about distance? It doesn't matter. As a training Reiki practitioner myself, I can attest to everything being energy, right? And if someone is in Australia and you are in the U.S., it will reach you. And I say this because after Carly and I recorded our episode, she gave me a Reiki entunement. And back when we recorded this episode, I had literally just gotten my wisdom teeth out. It was probably about a week after just so I could still talk and it would sound great on a recording and not like I was muffled, still had uh, chubby cheeks. But uh, she she basically had me get into a state of relaxation. So you could be sleeping when you get an attunement, you could be driving, you could be doing something. But the best way to do it is to be in a state of meditation. So I, and of course, grabbed my big cup of water because that's always preferred. I sat down and I just felt like I would be meditating. And meanwhile, Carly was doing Reiki for me. She was doing the symbols. She was sending me the energy. Um, And then afterwards, she provided me with feedback. Now, this is the most important thing when it comes to Reiki session or attunement, especially when it is from a distance. 
if somebody ever does Reiki for you and they don't hit you back with any feedback, that's something that you should be weary of. Um, so definitely ask if you ever get in tune. But anyway, Carly is a grand master Reiki practitioner. So she was on point. Some of the feedback she gave me was that I was severely dehydrated, which was not wrong. Um, like mentioned, I was, I had just gotten my wisdom teeth out and I was trying to not get dry socket. So I wasn't drinking a lot of water through straws. I was drinking, you know, just as much as I could to get by. I was in bed a lot. I was sleeping. So I was dehydrated. 100% correct there. She also said that when she was doing my attunement, she felt a lot of pain in my heart. Now, I am currently on a process of my healing journey. I am dealing with quite a bit and my healing or my heart chakra is actually one of the aspects of my my healing that I'm working on. So for her to call that out and not really know anything of my past trauma or my past experiences or my stories was just it shows her like she knows what she's doing. She can feel these energies. It's not it's not just a made-up thing, and I feel like I get that a ton, too, about Reiki, like, how does it even work? Like, does it, is it even real? This episode will definitely dive deeper into that, but I just wanted to share a little bit more about my attunement specifically with Carly and how that applies to today's episode. Again, Carly is a master healer. I trust that anyone who goes to her for a service is in incredible hands, and her stories and her experience is just very inspiring and and mind-blowing. And even in this episode, I was telling Carly, like, you are a lot of what I aspire to be on my path to being a healer myself. So... Without further ado, let's get into today's episode. But of course, if you have any questions about my Reiki attunement specifically or want to chat more about Reiki, hit up either myself at Well and Witchy or Carly at Psychic underscore Dreaming. All of her information is in the show notes so you know where to get it. But like mentioned, let's dive deep into today's episode. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Well and Witchy podcast. My expert guest today is Carly Morrison. Carly, I'm so excited to have you. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me also. Yes, it's going to be it's going to be a juicy one today. I can feel it. But Carly, um, how about we just tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about where you're from. Um, also mention, if you know it, your um, your zodiac signs, anything spiritual like that. <laughs> Sure. Okay. Um, well, in my astrological chart, my I am Aries sun sign, but I have a I believe it's Virgo rising. Yes, me but, too. <laughs> but I'm also I've got like four planets in Pisces, which is part of the reason why I'm so psychically in tune and also a, quite a bit of an empath as well. I generally feel a lot of other people's emotions when they're heightened around me and things like that but I'm I'm currently living in Melbourne Australia but I grew up on the Gold Coast um I've been reading tarot since I was tarot cards I mean since I was 13 years of age but um I started my own business probably Oh, I'm not sure exactly, maybe four or five years ago now. It's called Psychic Dreaming, and I do tarot readings face-to-face or also via phone or video, as that's every bit as accurate as face-to-face. And I also 
um, get hired for tarot parties, which is really fun. Doing like quick one, one, just one spread um, for like a high volume of people. That's always good fun. Um, I've also got my Reiki Grandmasters. I've studied Reiki since probably my early 20s. I'm not sure exactly when I started. But I'm also qualified with theta healing and serenity vibrational healing and also Melchizedek method to level three. Wow, you are just a, oh my gosh, you're a guru. You're like the top, I don't know how to explain it. Like when I hear all that, it makes me so excited for like my own personal journey because I just aspire to be like on that level. So it's incredible that you bring the wisdom like to the podcast today because I'm sure all the listeners are down to down to really hear it um I guess like starting off with tarot I I'm I wouldn't say I'm new to tarot I'd say I'm a mid-ground tarot I've been reading my own cards for quite some time and then I've only ever done it for friends and family and I'm just starting to really put myself out there and you know putting out the divination services but how did you like what was your very first experience with tarot well my very first experience with tarot it was actually my mom had a lot of friends who used to come around to the house and read our cards and she would allow them to read mine because I was only 13 I was very young I was just a teenager and um one of them who always read our cards she was around one day and she said to me I want you to read my cards and I was like what no way I can't do that and she goes yes you can I want you to try it and so I very reluctantly and hesitantly, hesitantly agreed to give it a go. But these were her instructions to me. And I think these are the best instructions for if you want to be able to read tarot based on intuition. And she said to me, what I want you to do is think back to when you were a small child and you have to read a storybook but there's no actual words to tell you how the story goes. So you just have to thread the story from the way each picture moves along. So I just did it exactly like she said, like I just focused on whatever stood out in a card. That's what I would say and just thread the story from one card to the next with everything that stood out to me and what I was intuitively feeling from what the images that were standing out to me were saying. And after I finished that reading for her, she was like, that was spot on. And so I just continued pretty much doing it like that until many, many years later. And I actually also have done a diploma of tarot reading with um, online through Centre of Excellence as well. So I have studied tarot as well. And I, I mean, I've been to tarot development classes and tarot practice classes and all sorts of things as well so I'm not just intuition I do have the knowledge but I mean with a lot of tarot books sometimes I find that some of the information can be a little bit conflicting looking at different tarot books so I kind of feel like it's really best just to rely on your intuition and I mean the advice she gave me on how to read for her I thought was brilliant and that's what I for anyone who asked me you know how do you read tarot that's the advice that I would give to them because I think that's a brilliant way 
that's that's so true I feel like oftentimes I from talking with newer tarot readers too it's like there's this big pressure to treat it like flashcards like I'm just gonna learn every single meanings basics and like that's fine but I think you like you mentioned the intuitiveness of it and being able to really feel in in your spirit and from your past experiences maybe too like this is what I can get for the person you're reading for is the most important thing like I think that really does make a difference between someone who's just reading tarot and looking at a chart and this okay like two of pentacles means this like let's this is what I see for you versus someone who's like I feel it and I know it's like a knowing kind of sense yeah exactly just that feeling of knowingness yeah totally do you have a favorite tarot deck or do you have a favorite card even well I would say my favorite tarot card would have to be the star because it's all about believing in yourself and having faith and optimism and all that great wonderful emotions so I love that I love that particular card but um as far as decks um I really love uh, there's a creator called Pixie Ann Curio. She made a deck called The Light Sears. I love that particular deck. But um, the deck that I use for my professional readings and is my go-to deck, and I've actually, this is the one that I actually learnt on with that lady that I was just telling that story about as well, is called The Sacred Rose. And I love that deck. It's really beautiful. It's, it's quite an old deck. It's not a new edition or anything like that, but, but the illustrations are really beautiful and they're gorgeous cards, I think. Yeah, I've, I, learned, I went the, the traditional way of just reading off the writer weight ones. That's a fantastic deck. I have used that throughout my time as well. I've, that's a really good and that's the deck that I would recommend for anyone who wants to start as a beginner too. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's the best deck for someone who's just starting out. Yeah, like you mentioned the symbolism of it. It's it's like mm-hmm. when people think tarot, I think that's the, the images that come to their mind the most. Yeah, definitely. And for me, I was like, I'm a visual person. I need the I need the the picture to represent the meaning and don't get me wrong like I have a few other decks that I've just picked up along the way that are beautiful like I have um I can't remember the name of it but it's like a old time anatomy deck so it looks like bone oh, wow cool flowers. I have seen that I know that deck yeah 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 and I like it but I feel like sometimes the symbolism isn't there and it's very hard to do a reading like I have to then you know look at the, my books and be like oh shit I don't remember what this means <laughs> So I tell you one yeah. which I would love to get, which I saw the other day, which is just gorgeous. It is a right away, but it's actually a black and gold edition. It's amazing. Oh, that is stunning. Deck. I'm really, I think that's the next one I want to get my hands on. <laughs> yeah, I heard this. I feel like this is a rumor and I, I think that it's like if you want to do tarot go buy the deck go get whatever deck you want but I've always heard that you have to be gifted a tarot deck in order to be a reader do you believe in that at all I don't really believe that but I have been told and I know like they used to say you have to either be given one or steal one I would never advise stealing one because I don't think it's going to give good karma and really help 
your readings be that fantastic on a stolen deck. <laughs> but um, it would be nice to be given a deck, but I don't think it's really compulsory. I pretty much believe it's fine to buy your own. I've bought many of my own and have never had any issues. And yeah. I'm not about to steal one. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I had a very strange experience. I When I bought a tarot deck, I went to, it's like TJ Maxx in the US is what it's called. It's like Marshall's Home Goods, just like a little store that sells like name brand clothes for cheaper, but they have like a bunch of random things. And there was like a tarot deck there. And I was like, this is cute. I'm going to buy it. It's like $6. Why not? And I go to check out. And I feel like people have such a fear for tarot still. It's like the lady who was ca- like a cashier was like, oh my gosh, like you're gonna, you're gonna like curse yourself with these cards. Do you know what you're doing? And I'm just like, lady, I could read you to filth. Like, calm down. <laughs> I remember one tarot party that I worked at. Um, it was a, for a university um, in Actually, it was Crown Casino. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's a really big casino here in Melbourne. And um, there's a lot of rooms that are quite, you know, it's pretty up up market and classy and stylish and lovely. Some of it, anyway. And this particular part was, and um, I'd been reading for three hours. And just at the very end, this well, I stopped reading after this because I thought I don't want this guy's bad vibes. Like this guy walked up to me and he goes, "They curse. You're cursing them with that, or something like that." Like he was saying that I was cursing them, and I was like, "I don't curse anyone." And I, and I just said to him, "Maybe you do," because I felt such bad vibes from him. And so then I just decided. I went to the person who's responsible for hiring me and said, look, I told him what happened and that, you know, it really, like it affected my, my energy and I didn't feel like I was going to give my optimum readings after that. So I just wanted to finish and he was totally understandable and he was like, yeah, that's fine. You can, you can finish now, you know, like, and he was like, really apologetic like apologizing for that I was like you don't have to apologize it wasn't you you know but yeah people have a lot of misconceptions still about it it's not um I guess openly accepted by all people yeah do you, I know you mentioned you took a bunch of tarot classes and trainings, but do you, do you know the origin of tarot pretty well? Um, I've read so many things about that, that there seems to be a lot of confliction. Like, um, although generally mostly what I've read is that it comes from somewhere in Europe, but I'm not sure exactly where. And I don't think the true origins are really known. Yeah, that's what I've read too. I read that it was like a French or Italian party mm. thing. Like yes, that's it. Yeah, and people would just do it for fun and have like... Tarochi, they used to call it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do. I do yeah. love it though. I feel like sometimes I the cards shock me and I'm like, really? Like, please don't do this to me. I cannot. But then some days I'm like, you're right. Like, you, you're totally right. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> They're generally pretty bang on with things. Yeah. Um, 
I asked what your favorite card was, but do you have a, a, like a least favorite card that every time it shows up in a reading, you're like, oh my gosh, no, please no. <laughs> um, not really. I'm not really um, worried by any particular one because generally, I mean, looking over all of them in a spread, I always seem to find that there seems to be some sort of balance without it all. So I'm never really too worried about if there is a card that is not as positive as, you know, I would like or hope. There's always something there to kind of counteract it or balance it a little bit. So I think there's always balance in everything. Yeah. That's true. I mean, when you look over things in bigger pictures of things, there's there's always some sort of balance. Yeah. And I try to remember, too, like, tarot isn't always the concrete answer. Like, it's sometimes just another perspective that you should pay attention to. Like, this could happen. So just be prepared and, like, know that, it, you know, in, when it should influence your decision making. But sometimes it's not always going to be like, okay you have the tower card your whole life's gonna end it's not it's, it's gonna be fine yeah yeah <laughs> well the tower if I'm ever explaining the tower what I always say is that like I mean no one likes the tower but it <laughs> it really isn't a bad card the thing it is is that it's changes that are forced upon someone through circumstances out of their control so it can be a spatter in the works or you know a bit of a diversion to your plans of what you want to be going ahead with but the thing about it is that sometimes it can be the shake-up that you need to get on back on track with whatever is a true passion or something that's for your higher self so that can be the gift of the tower as well Mm -hmm. I love that it's a good point like it's not the end it's sometimes ends are necessary it can be a blessing blessing yeah (laughs) just a shake up that you need to have to get you back on track with what's really for your highest and best yeah that's the way I'd like to look at it although the imagery for it it's not the most um I have a I have a wonderful friend that I work with she made me tarot earrings which are adorable they're like tiny beautiful a shrinky dink but she did um the sun and the moon and then she did I think death and one other I can't remember because I just like the way it looked I was like I want the death earring on my that that, I'm about it (laughs) yeah 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 that's pretty cool yeah, I'll have to connect her with you after this. Yeah, event. definitely. Please do. I would love yeah. that. Yes. Um, but to kind of switch gears a little bit, I know you mentioned you're a grandmaster in Reiki, and you also mentioned some other um, healings that you do, like Theta healing. Um, what was your first experience with Reiki and Theta healing like? They're very different modalities. I mean, with Reiki, um, I started with level one in my early 20s. I'm not sure exactly how old I was. I can't remember exactly how old I was. But I was in my early 20s and I did the hands-on. and I could just really, I mean, I find with Reiki, whether it's hands-on or whether it's um, just sending it through a photo or writing the person's name down on a piece of paper, however I'm sending it, whenever I'm sending someone Reiki, I, I don't, 
I can't speak for everyone, but for my own experience, because I think it's because I'm such empathic. Whenever I send Reiki either hands-on or absently, I always feel within my body whatever is going on for the person that I'm sending the Reiki. So it's um it's it's an interesting thing and I don't know how to explain it or how it happens, but that's just what happens for me when I'm performing Reiki. Whenever I'm sending Reiki, I just feel whatever's going on within the person that I'm sending it to their body. Like if, like if they have a shoulder pain, I might feel a pain in the shoulder or if they have um, like a tight chest, I might feel my chest going tired or I just, whatever's happening for them, I just feel in the time whenever I'm sending it. And I mean, everyone that I've sent Reiki to, I've always sent, I send feedback afterwards and so many times when I've sent feedback to whoever I've been sending the Reiki to, they always send me confirmation of everything that I've said and and they'll tell me like they felt energy going to those areas or they felt some sort of clearing happening around that area. It's always a confirmation. I've never experienced someone say, no, that's not right so yeah but with theta theta is more about um reprogramming belief patterns and stuff like that and so you got to kind of do some discovery and I find it's best just talking with the person about what they um what beliefs they hold like around love or money or whatever it is they I mean you have to establish what they want to work on first like like they might come to you and say I want to work on um my stories around love because I can't get into a good loving relationship or um I want to work on my abundance because I'm not making as much money as I would like to and things like that and then just talk to them about what they feel or think about love or money and then find the root causes from there. Because in people's speech, you can hear what patterns that they're hanging on to or believing in and things like that. And then theta is just a way of clearing those patterns and replacing with positive affirmations that will help to bring in whatever they're hoping to bring into their life. So, yeah. It's yeah, a lot different yeah. to Reiki, but it's a wonderful modality. Um, to backtrack a little bit, for our listeners who may not know what Reiki is, how would you explain it to someone who's never heard of it before? Okay. Um, well, the history of Reiki, Reiki was channeled by a Japanese man called Dr. Mikhail Yusu. And they're essentially universal symbols that he received while meditating under a tree for many, many days. And you um, send those symbols through your, the palms of your hand because when you when you're actually attuned to Reiki, the Reiki master or Reiki grandmaster who initiates you will attune all your chakra which are energy systems throughout the body I'm sure you're familiar with 
attune all your chakras to each of the Reiki symbols. So then you can actually work with them. And, I mean, we do have sort of mini chakras in the palms of our hands, and that's essentially where you send the symbols from. And so when you send the Reiki symbols, it works on the person's energetic body and they receive those symbols. Always after a Reiki session, I advise to drink a glass of water because that helps with the integration of the symbols. But another beautiful thing about Reiki is that if I was sending you Reiki, once I complete sending, say I'm sending Reiki for half an hour from 10 to 10.30. So at 10.30, when I cease sending you the Reiki symbols, even though I've ceased to send you those symbols, those symbols will continue working on you. So that's a really beautiful thing about Reiki is that benefits continue even after the session is complete because those universal symbols still work on your energetic fields. Yeah. And I think that's beautiful too. I'm still learning and in training and everything. And I have quite a long ways to go. Sometimes it feels like, but when I had an attunement a few weeks ago, it was, I had a few, but it was very special in that I just felt like I had a clean slate and like all the cloud and the fog that I feel like has been like blocking my vision and my clarity to set my direction was gone. And I, I could like visualize so many more things in my meditations. And I just am, I'm grateful for it every time I can get myself with a grandmaster to get an attunement because it was so, so helpful. And I think everyone should get it done at least once or many times, preferably. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's one of the most beautiful, gentle healing energies that you can receive, I feel. Yeah. Um, have you done animal Reiki before? I actually Reiki. I have a cat. I have a black cat with green eyes called Rafi. He's really beautiful. And um, I just send him, like if he's just sitting on my lap, sometimes I'll just place my hands on him and I just send him Reiki while he's sitting on me. He always just cries and laughs at it's so so receptive to the energy <laughs> yeah I uh like when I first started learning it and practicing I was I've started with my cats also I have two they uh came back from the vet office one day and uh then they sat in my lap and I could tell they were very anxious and stressed and like tired and just exhausted from the day because like vets are scary and I just did the same thing like I put my hands on him and just did my best to channel some energy and he was purring away but afterwards like you had mentioned like you do an attunement or you send reiki and you feel it like you feel it from I felt so anxious like I felt like oh my god like I don't want to get in the car I don't want to go anywhere like do not I felt in a cage and I was like this isn't a lie I feel like sometimes people say reiki is like made up or isn't real and I'm like it it is like <laughs> so it is so real <laughs> it's so yeah. real yeah um, I also, I had a chat with a few episodes ago with a naturopathic doctor who is a big proponent of just like really honoring healing in different forms. Like, yes, you can go to the doctor or go to a therapist and like fix your physical body, but it's so important to heal your energetic body and your chakras and your, your spirit. So I think the work that you do is beautiful and that, you know, other healers do too. It's just, it's important. And I hope other people can be more I don't know like accepting of it or at least be more knowledgeable because mm. I think it is helpful and really does make a difference 
Almost definitely, yeah. Yeah. Um, going back to theta healing, is that similar to NLP? It sounded a little bit similar. It I, it is a little bit similar to NLP, I think. Although it's not really, you're not really reading um their body language or the art you know how NLP sort of reads the eyes yeah. I mean I think you use a bit of muscle testing just to check what patterns that they're holding and then from there remove the patterns that they're holding and replace with positive affirmations so that that can help yeah change yeah. things in their life because I mean a lot of what we believe is what creates a lot of our reality as well so Mm-hmm. what you believe manifests into your life that's very long mm-hmm. too. like yeah 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 so many so many spiritual things i feel like there you can never know at all it's like something new always arises so there's always so much to learn <laughs> um, well when i was doing melchizedek method we did like that was that was really incredible doing those courses because they taught a thing called bilocation. Um, I don't know if you have ever heard of bilocation, but what bilocation is, is like, I can be sitting here right now as I am on the park in the in nature, and but I could actually just send part of my spirit to say to you, and I would be split. And part of my spirit's with you and part of my spirit's here. So, oh, my physical body's here, but my spirit's over there with you. And I've actually done that, like, because I was um, in hospital at one time and there was a meditation for world peace and one of my friends had invited me. And um, so at the time when the meditation was on, I just sat in the room in the hospital and meditated and chanted for peace and um afterwards I spoke to my friend and he said that he in meditation he turned around and he could see my spirit actually standing there (laughs) oh my goodness is that that's not that's and that's by location that's not like astral projection though right or is it well, it's not really, I mean, astral projection is more like what you do when you're sleeping. By location, it's similar, but you're actually awake. You're not sleeping. So you're consciously directing your spirit. Like I consciously directed my spirit to that circle for meditation for well peace. Oh, that so was- I was actually there and he actually saw, he saw me there. So... And this is someone who's quite spiritually in tune, though, I have to admit, like, not everyone would have seen me there, but, and I had a really strong connection with this person as well, so he could see me and he saw me there, but I was, like, in the hospital, in the room, just sitting cross-legged with my hands on my, on my knees and just chanting for peace. I just used the... um at that stage, I didn't know many chants. I used to, the first one I ever heard of was, I don't know if you've heard of Om Mani Padme Om. It means the jewel in the lotus, but it, I've since found out it's actually Avlakotvara um, mantra. And it's for, um, Avlakotvara is the goddess 
of mercy and compassion. She has like thousands of heads and thousands of arms because her heads see all the suffering of the world, but her arms actually help to alleviate all the suffering of the world. She's the goddess of mercy and compassion. Wow. And there's a, sorry, is a Buddhist, Buddhist, I believe. And um, there's a, at the National Gallery of Victoria here in Melbourne, they have an amazing statue of Avalokiteshvara. And I used to love it even from a child. And I didn't know what it was, but I'd just go to it, stand there and stare at it, mesmerised by it for ages. Even as a child, I was just so drawn to that. Such a fantastic statue with wow. thousands of heads and thousands of arms. <laughs> wow. she I've, I've never heard of her before, so I'm definitely going to research her after this. Like, that's it's it's got me wondering what she looks like. I'm going to go Google it and see. All yeah, yeah. Avla Kachvara. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's incredible. Also, um, you mentioned that you spent time in India, too. What was that like? Yeah. Um, that was... It's funny because when I came back one time, because I've been twice now, I spent two and a half months the first time and nine months the next time. And um, one time when I'd come back, someone said to me, did I like India? And I'm like, India is not a place that anyone's going to say that they like. You'll love it and you'll hate it from one minute to one second to one day. You know, like India is so full of extremes that, it's just like you could be like one moment like I'm in bliss this place is heaven I love it and the next minute you'll be like oh my god this place get me out of here I just want to get out of here (laughs) (laughs) excuse me and it fluctuates between both like there was seconds where I think I love being here I'm in absolute awe and bliss and the next second I'd be like, oh, my God, I just wish I could get out of here. Because <laughs> there's there's a lot of poverty and suffering and there's a lot of things that happen that are real injustices with people. But there's some wonderful things there too. I mean, there's a lot of community spirit and people really help each other and are there for each other and are quite generous and giving and compassionate. So it's a real mixture. It's not... Um, but I can't imagine someone saying, I like India. <laughs> India's not a, it's not that blase that you'd just be like, I like it. I think you'll love it and you hate it. Because yeah. there's just so many extremes in that place. It's, it's a place that's really full of extremes. Yeah. Why? Um... But it was wonderful. And I'm so glad that I went. I had an amazing time. I was practicing puja and Agni Khotra daily. Puja is the prayer where you have the deity statue and you have to wash it and put flowers and incense, burn incense and put the water and the rice. And I don't know how to say this word, but it's kind of like a yogurt thing that they make and prasad and you give that to everyone in, in, in the community around you afterwards because they say that the more you give that, the more that blessings will come to you. And... Um, Agni Hotra is a sacred fire that you do at sunrise and sunset and it actually 
balances and harmonizes the prana in the environment that it is performed in when it's performed correctly. It's so powerful and it's so healing. It's the most wonderful earth healing. If you ever have a chance, I highly recommend that you experience it or better still learn it and practice it. Um, Sri Vasant was the guru who brought Agnihotra to the West and he introduced it to America, Australia and Poland. And um, I was reading his book in India. It's called The Messenger of the Sacred Fire. It's by a woman called Pavati Rosenberg. And when I was reading that book, I was thinking, oh, my God, I wish that I could get to meet Sri Vasant. And then it was like a few days and he passed away. <laughs> and I was like so sad. Oh, I was so devastated. But I thought, oh, well, at least I've got the fires. Like, Because I was doing the fires every day at that point and just loving it. The energy is amazing. and The animals come from everywhere because they just love the energy of it. It's so healing and purifying. Yeah. Balances and harmonizes everything. And it's really fantastic. Yeah. I'm so, I, I have no knowledge of like Buddhism or Indian culture and spiritual culture. So I am... I'm very inspired to learn more about it now. I think that like knowledge is power and like just like no matter where you come from in life, your background, your culture, like it's still cool to learn and like learn different modalities and like give it a try just to like better understand because I believe in past lives. I don't know if other people do, but I I do. I do. I, you never know, like unless you do a, a regression, but it's always cool to just have a, an appreciation for other people and, and how they feel tied to living and being in, in the spiritual place. Most definitely. Yeah. That's incredible. I wanna yeah. Um, in India, it's actually Hinduism. And I mean, I, when my six months visa ran up, I had to take a trip to um Kathmandu in Nepal to renew my visa for an extra three months and there's a temple there called Pashupatinath that I really wanted to visit and I went to go there and the Nepalese man he wouldn't let me in because he said I looked American and I was like I'm not American I'm Australian I've never set foot on US soil in my life I was going off in him <laughs> And I said to him, and I'm a practicing Hindu. And he goes, in your heart, you might be Hindu, but your face looks American, so you're not going in. <laughs> and I said to him, I can't believe I'm experiencing Nepalese racism. <laughs> I'm so sorry. As an American, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I've got American in my family anyway. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not um, against Americans, but it was just so like, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe he's like saying I'm American and you won't let me go in. And I didn't have, if only I had my passport, I could have shown it to him to prove that I was Australian, but I didn't have it on me. And like, and I was just so mad and that he wouldn't let me into the actual temple, but this temple called Pashupati Nut, it actually has like surrounding grounds with little miniature temples outside everywhere. 
So I could sit in the outside grounds. So I just sat in the outside grounds and there's all these, like the Hindu priests, they call them the Bapu. I don't know if that's still what they call them in Nepal, but in India, that's what they call them. So, yeah, I would call them Bapus anyway because I didn't know better if it's different from Nepalese. But I was sitting with those, like, priests, the Nepalese priests at, at the – well, they would have been Hindu, actually, because it is a Hindu temple, sorry. So they would have been Bapus. But I was just sitting with them outside in the little temples outside because <laughs> I wasn't allowed inside. Oh the worst Americans really do ruin it for everyone else. <laughs> well, he said, I said to him, anyway, what have you got against Americans? And he was like, he reckoned that the Americans stole some artifacts from inside the church. I was like, how would you know? It could be anyone from anywhere. <laughs> yeah, can't. can't I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't know either. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I have no idea, but I don't think he necessarily knew the truth anyway. But, yeah, that was just an interesting thing that happened to me experiencing Nepalese racism (laughs) against Americans. I thought I was American. Yeah. Oh, goodness. That's that's intense. Maybe one day you can go back and it'll be someone different and they'll let you in. <laughs> I'll take my passport next time for sure. <laughs> yeah. I uh and yeah, that's a warning to anyone listening. If ever you want to go to Pashupati Nath Temple, maybe take your passport. <laughs> I uh I lived in London for a hot second. It was like three months on study. Oh wow. Uh and I had some crazy moments where like people i mean it's different in london because like there's so many different folks like you could blend in easily but when i'd speak people be like oh you're american like get out of here or like they'd make jokes or just be like ew and i'm like i can't help where i came from in this lifetime please don't hate me i promise i'm a good person (laughs) oh in india when i always got asked so many times like where are you from i got so sick of it and eventually i'd start saying to them I come from my mother's womb just like you. Because <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> I didn't want to say I'm Australian. And also at the time, there'd been some Indians in Australia had been beaten up by some Australian thugs. So that was giving Australia a really bad rap. And my guru was like, if anyone asks you, just tell you, tell them you are American. <laughs> From one extreme to the other, from being the hated American to being the loved American, (laughs) even though I'm not American. (laughs) But yeah, no, I didn't tell him I was American. I'd just say I'm from my mother's womb, just like you, and I wouldn't say anything else after that. (laughs) That's fair. You're not lying. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, also, I think you mentioned you are writing a book. How is that? Yes, I am writing a book. I'm in the process of re-editing now and I've discovered that I enjoy writing far more than what I enjoy editing. Editing I find a little bit tedious, so I'm kind of just taking time with it. But um, my book is going to be called My Travelling Spirit and it's going to be out on Amazon and in bookstores Australia-wide and also in California in bookstores, I believe. So, yeah, that's um, 
a bit exciting that that will be happening at some point this year. I don't know when exactly I will get it released, but at some time this year it will be released. Yay. What is it about? Um, Just about a lot of my journeys and also my love of magic and tarot and my work with tarot and Reiki and a lot of travels and things like that. So essentially just, I mean, not totally autobiographical, but just sort of stories from my life of things that have happened to me. And so, yeah. Yay. I'm excited when it comes out. I'll definitely have to pick it up yeah. on Amazon. Yeah. You know, California, very far. Yeah, away. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not near you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's exciting. I, I want to write a book one day. I just feel like currently I don't know what I write about. So hopefully yeah. I get some ideas that, you know, get some divine messages that come to me of what to write about. So it's a goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. It was for me too for about a year before I or before I um got my sort of connection with publishers. So I was like, wow, it took a year and I got a publisher and it's like amazing. Because it was just a dream. It was just a dream. So if I can do it, you can definitely do it too. I'm sure you will one day. Yeah, we'll see. I'll keep you updated. Yeah, Yeah, please do. I'd be interested. How can the listeners get in touch with you? Um, Excuse me, um, email or Instagram. Actually, Instagram is best. I get a lot of um, direct messages from Instagram for people wanting ratings of Reiki. That's a really good way to contact me. Cool. I'll put that in the show notes for anyone interested. Yeah, thank you. Your handles in their email too. Yeah. But, um, what um what services are you offering currently? I know you mentioned a twenty percent off discount. So um... uh, for Reiki or absent Reiki, absent Reiki. I'm not doing hands on Reiki because of the whole COVID and social distancing. Fair. I mean, um, but so absent Reiki, and also tarot readings via phone or video call. Awesome. And video call I can do through Instagram as well. So that's incredible. Good to know because I know I mean I'm US based. I have a lot of US based listeners, but I'm sure someone will will love to get in touch with you because you're just you're just very wise and knowing. And I I'm just it's I aspire to be there. Like I said at the beginning, like at some point I wanna be Carly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will one day. It just takes time. It takes yeah. a lot of time, a lot of research. yeah, yeah, yeah. Time and experience and learning. Yeah, you just gotta live. You gotta live your life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I had an incredible time chatting all things tarot. Yeah, it was incredible today. Thank you so much. It was so lovely to speak with you too. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you loved what you heard, smash that subscribe button and please be sure to rate and review on iTunes to help further educate and elevate our fellow witches. If you need a little extra magic in your life, I invite you to connect with me on Instagram at wellandwitchy and check out my website, wellandwitchy.com. 
remember which is you are limitless you are powerful and you create your reality by your divine design now go out there and make some magic happen and until next time be well be witchy